Thank you for downloading this podcast from Pardes North America. This episode of Pardes from Jerusalem features Rabbi Alex Israel on Parashat Bamidbar and Yom Yerushalayim. For the latest episode of Pardes from Jerusalem, please visit elmod.pardes.org. And now, here is Rabbi Alex Israel. Hi, this is Alex Israel, and I'm delighted to be with you. And this week we're going to talk about Parshat Bamidbar, but we're also going to talk about Yom Yerushalayim, Jerusalem Day, the day that we celebrate to um, mark the unification of Jerusalem in 1967. And I think it's Jerusalem that I'm going to uh, start with, because, you know, we all have a relationship with Jerusalem. We frequently, you know, talk about Pardes from Jerusalem. And there's something very special about Jerusalem as the hub of the Jewish people. And uh, this really affects so much of our liturgy. We have a situation in which Jerusalem is not a place that we can really ignore. You can love it, you can hate it, but it's at the center of the Jewish people. At a wedding, we say, if I forget thee, Jerusalem, imeshgachech Yerushalayim. At the Seder, we say, l'shana habab Yerushalayim. Uh, next year in Jerusalem, and um, it really is at the center of our being. And in this regard, let's turn to our first source. It is from the book of Psalms, Tehillim. And according to many, these Psalms were recited when pilgrims would come up to Jerusalem. They would come up to Jerusalem for the three festivals. We're coming up to Shavuot in just a week's time. So uh, Pesach, Shavuot, Sukkot, uh, droves of people would come to Jerusalem to celebrate in the in the courtyards and in the city of Jerusalem. And as they would make their pilgrimage, they would in fact uh, recite poetry, national poetry. And for many people, this is why there are 15 psalms called Shirei HaMa'alot. Shir HaMa'alot meaning the songs of the ascent, the songs of the pilgrimage. And this is sort of a collection of blessings, of hopes, of dreams, of historical reflections. So let's read one of these psalms, Psalms, Psalm 122, and I'll read it in Hebrew and in English, and then we'll try and do an, a dramatization or an examination of it. Shir Hamalot David, Samachti Ba'onrim Li Beit Hashem A song of a sense of David. I rejoice when they said to me, we're going to the house of the Lord. Our feet stood at the gates of Jerusalem. Jerusalem built up like a city joined together. Because there the tribes ascended, the tribes of God. Israel, A testimony to Israel. To praise the name of the Lord. There the thrones of judgment stood. There the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be at peace. May there be peace within your ramparts, peace in your citadels. For the sake of my brother and friends, I speak peace of you. For the sake of the house of God, I seek your good. 
And many of us know the song, And of course, those words come from this chapter. It's, it's a wonderful, peaceful chapter. And in fact, even if I read the Hebrew, Shalu, Shalom, Yerushalayim, Yishlau, Yorvayich, Yishalom. You've got this sense of shh, 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 this uh, alliteration, which is 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 a great, you know, if I had to give a, a contrast, Eicha, um, Eicha with those guttural sounds. Eicha um, is, is a very harsh sounds. Here we have, it's like Shir Hashirim, Masher Lishlomo. The same thing, calming gentle sounds. So what's this poem about? First line, a song of ascents, I rejoice when they told me we're going to the house of God. And in the last line, for the sake of the house of your, the Lord your, our God, I seek your good. So, the beginning and the end, we're going to the Beit Hashem. We're going to the house of God. We're going to visit the temple. And Samachti, <laughs> you get the kids into the car and you say, we're going to the temple and they're yippee, hooray, we're so excited. The funny thing is that when we read this chapter, we see nothing of the house of God. Instead, we see something else completely. Let's go to verse two. Our feet stood inside your gates, Jerusalem. What's going on? We're mentioning the gates. Now just imagine somebody who lives up north in the Galil, they live in a little village somewhere in the hills of Judea. Uh, their, their whole village numbers 20 structures, maybe 50 houses. No house is more than one story or two stories tall. And suddenly they make the pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And what's the first thing that impresses them? They see those walls, like the old pictures of Jerusalem from the, from the 18th century, the 19th century, where uh, you would just see Jerusalem on a hill, literally the old city. And can you imagine the children along with their parents coming along and suddenly they get to these magnificent gates. Maybe think about Damascus Gate, massive fortifications. They've never seen anything so grand. We stood at your gates, Jerusalem. Everybody's taking photographs. Jerusalem. Jerusalem built up, a city knit together. What does that mean? First thing is, of course, that the first time they've come to an urban centre. It's the first time they've ever encountered. You know, when you go around the hills, you see Arab villages, you see ancient scenery of Eretz Israel. you might have a collection of houses, but each house is surrounded by a vineyard or by an olive grove. But suddenly you come to a place like Jerusalem, and it seems like a city knit together. It's an urban sprawl, house after house after house, very little greenery. And you're sort of like, wow, look at this metropolis. It's quite remarkable. Next line. Because there the tribes would make a pilgrimage. Israel, a testimony to Israel. When I was a... Uh, I was a kid, I used to go to camp, B'nai Akiva camp, in England, and we, I came from London, but we'd go to camp and suddenly there were chanichim, there were, there were kids in the camp, some of them were from Ireland and some of them were from Scotland, we had Liverpudlians, we had uh, people from Manchester and Newcastle, and some from Wales, from Cardiff, and 
Everybody had a different accent. <laughs> We'd practice the Manchester accent. We'd practice the Scottish accent. Can you imagine coming to Jerusalem in ancient times and you had come from the tribe of Judah and, and suddenly you say, wow, that's a really interesting accent, the accent from Ephraim. We know from the book of Shoftim, for example, that Ephraim couldn't say their shins quite well. Instead of the word shibolet, they said sibolet. And uh, they couldn't say their shin. And I'm sure there were other dialects and other turns of phrase, you know, like in America, you have a, a southern drawl or like a Bostonian won't quite say their R in the same way as others. Um, I remember once reflecting on the fact that somebody doesn't say the word dog like I say it, but they say it with two vowel sounds, a dog. Um, can you imagine? Suddenly you meet all the tribes. Maybe they have different fashions, different complexions, those who are by the sea, those who are up in the hills. So this is suddenly... Jerusalem built up a city knit together, and in fact, that's one of the interpretations of Ki'ir The rabbis say, Ir kol Yisrael chaverim. Suddenly, when we're in Jerusalem, we're all on the pilgrimage, we're all friends. Shashamalu Shvatim the tribes come together. Idul Yisrael, the testimony to Israel. We've all come for the sake of, 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 the, of praising God at the temple. But what else? Suddenly we're surprised because You know, when you enter Jerusalem today, you drive in and you drive past the Supreme Court. You might then drive past the presidential residence. There are the thrones of judgment, the thrones of the house of David. In fact, the rabbis say that on the way up to the temple, that's where the Sanhedrin, the, high, the Supreme Court stood. That's where they sat in judgment. So what you're seeing here is an entire kaleidoscope, an entire mosaic of different images. You come up to the house of the Lord, but suddenly you're inside the gates and it's the city and it's the institutions of government and the, and the law courts. And it's the, it's the engagement with the tribes. Now, we don't even read about the encounter in the temple. Suddenly we see the person on the way out as they're leaving. They say, Yehi shalom. Sorry, Shalu Shalom Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be at peace. It's almost like a prayer for the capital. May there be well-being in your ramparts, peace in your citadels. For the sake of my kin and friends, you've gone to Jerusalem. You've made new friends. You realize that this is the capital city which unites everybody. I pray for your well-being. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I seek your good. So I love this because it's so colourful. I love this because it gives you, if you want, the civic experience, the civic experience of a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. Now, why have I chosen to share this with you in advance of Yom Yerushalayim? So first of all, because I really hope, I really hope that uh, this echoes a little bit with your experience of Jerusalem. It might not be the experience of the Kotel, but it might be the experience of the Shuk. It might not be the experience of the Shuk, and it might just be the experience of the Tachana Merkazit, the central bus station. Um, and in fact, once uh, Professor Emil Fagenheim said, um, do you want a mystical experience? He writes this in one of his books. He says, do you want a mystical experience? He says, try getting out of the Tachana Merkazit on a Friday. Try jostling with the crowd to a who are trying to catch their bus for Shabbat and the busyness of the streets of Jerusalem and then open the Book of Lamentations, Echai Ashvab Badad Ha'ira Batiyam Haitaka Almana. 
and remember that once we used to sit on the floor and mourn for a Jerusalem whose children, how, how is it, Echa, Yashva Badad, that the city dwells alone, Ha'ira Batiyam, the city which was once full of people, Haitaka Almana, is like a widow. And now he says, we're back. We're back as a nation. We're back in this phenomenal city where Judaism has come to life, where I would argue that in almost every denomination has an has a learning center there. Torah from Jerusalem, Torah goes out, new ideas from the most Hasidic to, you know, the, the, the reform, the, the reconstructionists, the, 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 every denomination, they have Torah learning centers. They send their students to Jerusalem because it's in Jerusalem that we really experience an intensity of engagement that we don't experience in other places. And this leads me to our second text, again, a really, really lovely text, which um, is a poem, a very famous poem by Yehuda Amichai, uh, the famous um, poet of Jerusalem. And I love this poem. Well, let's, uh, let's maybe read it and then we'll, and then we'll and analyze it. He says, why is Jerusalem always two, above and below? I want to live in the Jerusalem of the middle, without bashing my head above, or or injuring my feet below. And why is Yerushalayim in a language of pairs? Like hands, yadayim, and feet, raglayim. I want to live just in a lone Yerushal. Because I'm just one of me and not two. In his wonderful, cynical, but, you know, comical and sort of jovial way, Yehuda um, Michai notices that the word Yerushalayim indicates double. Indicates two, and um, it's almost like mishkafayim, glasses, or ofanayim. It always something with that suffix always indicates two. He says Yerushalayim uh, somehow has about it a notion of being double, and he relates to this idea of Yerushalayim shall mala, Yerushalayim shall mata. In fact, there's a Talmudic passage which relates to the idea that God says. I won't uh, go into the Jerusalem above until you go into the Jerusalem below. That somehow Jerusalem has always been seen as this supernal city, which is somehow tethered to a heavenly city. It's a city which links heaven and earth like Jacob's ladder, which is the portal to somewhere else. <laughs> now, Yura Amichai says that this is the source of Jerusalem's frustration, maybe Jerusalem's triumph and tragedy. Because he says, why is Jerusalem always two above and below? I want to live in the Jerusalem of the middle without bashing my head above or injuring my feet below. And indeed, Jerusalem has been a place where people have bashed their head above, bashed their heads trying to reach the heavens and injured quite a number of feet and bodies below. Um, that's, that's Jerusalem. Jerusalem connects us above and below. It connects heaven and earth. And if you visited the Israel Museum in the last decade or two, 
you will have noticed a, a sculpture on the roof. It looks like an hourglass, a very shiny hourglass. Um, it's actually a, a sculpture by the guy who did the bean in, in Chicago, um, Anish Kapoor. And Anish Kapoor has put this sculpture on the roof of the Israel Museum. And when you look up, you see the earth. And when you look down, you see the sky. And I've always thought that it should be called Yerushalayim Shalmala, Yerushalayim Shalmata, because Jerusalem is the place where people come to, the place on earth, to seek the heavens. They look down and see the heavens. And they look up and they see the earth. And that's why so many religions have somehow felt that in order to have the heavens, they actually had to have the earthly Jerusalem. And still to this day, it seems like we can't extricate ourselves from actually fighting over this city and fighting over Jerusalem. Because it is this tremendous place, which is uh, somewhere which connects heaven and earth in this such such a powerful, powerful manner. So these are some thoughts about Jerusalem as we approach Jerusalem Day. And I'm deliberately talking about Jerusalem in an almost uh, mythical, mystical, idealistic way because I don't want to talk about politics. But I do want to connect this to our Parshat Shavuah. And our Parshat Shavuah, our weekly Torah portion, is Bamidbar. And it occurs to me that in the same way as the Jewish people face Jerusalem, there's this lovely passage in Masechet Brachot, uh, in Tractate Brachot, where they actually talk about the word Talpiot. <laughs> Talpiot is where Pardes sits. And uh, Talpiot, the, the Talmud tells us it's, uh, that it's a play on the word. Um, Talpiot, by the way, is a, is a phrase which comes from Shir Hashirim, Kamigdal David Savareich. Your neck is like the Tower of David, Banoi le Talpiot, built le Talpiot. Now, probably it comes from the word tell. A tell is a hill with layer upon layer upon layer, and therefore Talpiot means built to great heights. But the Talmud plays with this word Talpiot and says it's a mixture of a few words. Tell, tell means a hill, and Piot means mouths. And says that in fact Jerusalem is the city to which all mouths face. What do we mean? that we always pray wherever we are in the world facing Jerusalem. If you're outside Israel, you face Israel. If you're within Israel, you face Jerusalem. If you're within Jerusalem, you face the Temple Mount. If you're on the Temple Mount, you face the Holy of Holies. And therefore, Jerusalem becomes this conduit. It becomes this hub. It becomes this uh, homing device where if you want all the prayers are facing Jerusalem and from Jerusalem, they ascend. They ascend heavenwards. And this is just, this makes, you know, Jerusalem such a powerful, as we said in the psalm we read before, it's Jerusalem where we come to praise God. And by the way, much of the groundwork for that Talmudic passage of Jerusalem and all the prayers being um, directed to Jerusalem comes from Solomon's prayer in the book of Kings, chapter 8, when he dedicates the temple and said that the... Um, that the the primary thing of the temple, more than sacrifices, is that the temple is a is a house of prayer. It's a house where we pray to and where God will listen to our prayers. Now, where am I leading? I said we're going to go to Parshat Shavuah, and we're going to read here in Israel this week Parshat Bamidbar. In Bamidbar, we describe the camp of Israel, and just like the Psalm we read about Jerusalem, we read about the twelve tribes each with their own place 
each organized. Here it's not Jerusalem in the center, but it is the tabernacle, the Mishkan, in the center. We encamp around Saviv, in a in a relationship with opposite the, 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 the sanctuary. And the idea is that you know everybody's sort of equidistant from this place. But around the temple, we have each of the tribes, as it says in Bamidbar chapter 2. Here, I'll read the verse for you. I'm just finding the place. Here we go. Ish al diglo, each according to their flag, but with their symbols, lebet avotam, according to their parental house. Yachanu b'nei Yisrael mi neged salviv l'olmoed yachanu. And... The idea is that we've got the multiplicity of identities, the 12 tribes, each with their parental house. Each one has a symbol. <laughs> In other words, each one has a national emblem, which represents something about their particular area of Israel, or their history, or the history of their ancestors. And everybody's invested in their um, sectarian identity. And yet, Everybody has a relationship with that hub, that hub which is the temple. And of course, just like Jerusalem, that temple is meant to be a place where they can connect with God. And it's so much so that even when they travel, it says, And the camp, the Olmoed, the tent of meeting, the place where we will meet with God, and the camp of the Levites actually travels in the middle of the camps, in the same way as they encamp, so they travel, that is a discussion amongst the commentators whether they traveled in a sort of box formation, whether they traveled, each each group surrounding uh, the, the uh, Ark of the Covenant, or whether they traveled in a long line. But whichever way it may be, the image here is, is that there is a something at the center which connects us to God. Here it's an Ohel Mo'ed. It is the predecessor of the temple, which sits on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem later, and surrounded by the tribes. So it's almost as if the um, the camp of Israel in, in, in biblical times, in the wilderness, as we're traveling from Mount Sinai to the land of Israel, we're almost um prefiguring we're almost uh you know doing a a pre-run of what it's going to be like when eventually we find and by the way this only happens 500 years later that we come to Jerusalem and really set up a temple there and therefore what we're, we're sort of already casting this idea that there will be a place in our center which where we can pay homage to god where we can come together as a nation and that we surround it in some way and later, when we do establish the temple in a given place in Jerusalem, the idea is that we will still have that sense of Jewish unity around um, around this hub. Now, I'm fully aware um, that sometimes Jerusalem, too often, Jerusalem is a place of contention and not peace. Um, and uh, maybe we have to remind ourselves of these two things, that we want Jerusalem to be a place where we can encounter other Jews um, as equals, where we can encounter other Jews in peace and harmony. And second, that maybe we should worry more uh, about encountering God, about that Laman Beit Hashem, and worry less about owning the real estate of Jerusalem 
And if we do that, then maybe we will find that um, we will be in a far better state and we'll be able to indeed see the heavens on earth in this wonderful city, Yerushalayim, this city which, which aligns heaven and earth. And indeed, may it guide us to higher understandings and to greater unity for the betterment of our people. Um, happy Yom Yerushalayim and Shabbat Shalom. Thank you again for downloading this podcast, a production of Pardes North America. If you liked what you just heard, please give us a five-star review wherever you download your podcasts. Be sure to follow us on Spotify for the latest episode of Pardes from Jerusalem. Tune in next week as Rabbi Shani Gross and Rabbi Mike Yuram discuss Parashat Naso and Chag Shavuot. Thanks for listening.